Amen. No matter what we're going through in life, He is the way maker. We may think our whole world is falling apart, yet Jesus Christ, if we'll just put our faith and our trust in Him, He'll carry us through, no matter what it is we're going through in life. Amen? Amen? You can get louder than that. You're Baptist. It's okay. Y'all get louder than that at one another at home, I know. Okay? All right, you have your Bibles this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to look at one verse there. And then we're going to look at a number of other verses this morning as we're on a series that we've entitled Seven Enemies of the Cross. This is our fourth lesson on this. Today we want to look at another enemy of the cross of Jesus Christ, that being the idea of a universal church. Now thus far we've looked at three enemies of the cross, three things or three beliefs you know, that in this world that I believe are fighting against the true message of the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, as we've stated, as the church of Jesus Christ, we're in a spiritual battle, folks. You know, the enemy can't be seen. We're in a spiritual battle, and we have an enemy that will do whatever he takes, whatever it takes, you know, to silence the message of the cross. We're living in the last days, and if Satan can silence the message of the cross, folks, he can defeat the message of Christ. He'd never be able to defeat Christ, but he can defeat the message of Jesus Christ. So Satan knows he can't defeat Christ personally, but he knows if he can defeat or if he can silence the message of Christ, he can then defeat the cause of Christ in these last days. So we're looking at seven things that Satan uses to silence the message of the cross, seven weapons that he uses to deceive both believers and non-believers alike in an effort to take away from the message of the cross. Now today we look at this fourth enemy again, the idea of a universal church. Now to understand the difference in uh, uh, between a local church and a universal church, I believe we must uh, get a definition. But first, look at Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. This was Jesus' idea of the church. This is what Jesus says, here's how I'm going to establish the church. He told Peter and he said, uh, I say unto thee also, thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So let's take a look here. Before we go any further, I think it's important that we get a good working definition of the term universal church. You see, for many, when they hear this term, they think, you know, in terms of everyone that believes in God or everyone that believes in a God is all a part of some big universal church. And, and others feel that, no, a universal church is simply made up of all religions. All religions make up some universal church and, you know... uh you know, it doesn't matter what God you're worshiping, as long as you're worshiping a God, we're all working for the same place anyway. Therefore, they say there's a universal church for everyone who believes in a God. And then there are another others that say, well, no, the universal church is comprised of all true believers worldwide. Those are three definitions. Now, let's take a look here. So before we go any further, let's get on the same page with the terminology, Okay. 
Now, how the theory of the universal church got started is this way. The Roman Catholic Church came up with this idea or came up with this uh, concept of a universal visible church. And the way they come up with that is by uh, confusing the term church, which in the uh, Greek is ekklesia, and they confused the church with the kingdom. You see, they brought the kingdom and they brought the church together. They don't understand or they didn't understand, still don't today, that that's two entirely separate things. They confused the kingdom of God with the family of God and the church of God. See, the, the, the family of God and the church of God, we must understand, are two different things. Now, during the Reformation, when people started to see some heresy within the Catholic Church, what happened is groups began, you know, leaving the Catholic Church to start their own churches or their own denominations. But they had to come up with something different to use rather than the universal visible church because that's why they left the Catholic Church to begin with. However, they still, these groups that split off from the Catholic Church, they still confused the church with the kingdom. So what they came up with, rather than a universal visible church is, they came up with this concept, this idea of a universal invisible church. That was their answer. But the bottom line is, the universalists confused the church of God and the kingdom of God. They, they don't understand it's two entirely separate things. Yes, the kingdom of God is universal. Okay? So many times when you hear that term universal church, what people are talking about really is the kingdom of God. Now, to say that all believers, to say that all believers in Christ are part of the kingdom of God is a correct statement. Okay, stick with me here. To say that all believers worldwide are a part of the kingdom of God, that is a correct statement. But to say that all believers in Christ are part of some universal, visible, or invisible church is just plain ludicrous. Are you, are you with me on separating the two terms here? Okay, long as we're still together. Now, I know this is as clear as muddy water, but I promise if you'll stick with me, we're going to clear it up. And, and here's what we need to understand. This is Satan's goal to muddy the waters on this issue. Now, understand this. The local churches, let's just say, the local churches in Central America, in South America, in Asia, you know, in other parts of the world, they do make up the kingdom of God. All churches all throughout the world make up the kingdom of God, but not the church of God, okay? In short, the kingdom of God is made up of many local churches worldwide which are made up of individual believers in Jesus Christ. How many of you are still with me? Okay, I'm going to clear up the water, I promise. It's muddy right now, but we're going to clear it up. So, you know, but many people today, they still hold the ideology of the Catholic Church concerning universal or invisible church. And because of that, they think that, uh, you, that, that, that they can be a Christian and have no connection with a local body of believers. Look, some want to try to act like Lone Ranger Christians. I don't have to be a part of a local body church because I'm a part of the universal church. I'm a part of, you know, the church of God wherever. That is Catholicism thinking, folks. 
And again, that's why many of the, uh, the denominations left the Catholic Church, yet all they did was change it from visible to invisible. So they still hold to that ideology. And some people think, well, I'm going to be a long-ranger Christian. I don't need a local church. But that's not what the Scripture teaches. And one day, they're going to find out that being a long-ranger Christian can be a pretty lonely place if they don't have a group, local group, a local church, to fellowship with. It's kind of like the Lone Ranger and Tonto as they was riding out on the range one day. And they was headed north and, you know, they topped a hill and that hill was just lined with Indians. And Tonto looked over at uh, Lone Ranger. He said, what we going to do now, Kimosabi? And Lone Ranger said, well, we'll head south. So they head south. They top a range. It's lined with Indians. Tonto looks at the Lone Ranger again and says, what we going to do now, Kimosabi? He said, we're headed east. So they head east. They top a hill lined with Indians. Again, Tonto says, what we going to do now, Kimosabi? He says, well, we're going to go west. <laughs> so they turned and they went west. They topped the hill. You know, uh, the Lone Ranger then looked at Tonto and said, what we going to do, Tonto? He said, uh, uh, what you mean, us, pale face? You see, Tonto turned his back on the Lone Ranger when there was no hope. The Lone Ranger found himself a Lone Ranger. Listen, if you try to be a Lone Ranger Christian, not a part of any local church body, you're going to find yourself in trouble one day. You're going to find yourself with no one to be there for you, no one to pray with you, no one to pray for you, no one to encourage you, no one to lift you up when you're going through trials and troubles within your life. Folks, that's the purpose of the local body of believers. And let me tell you something, no universal church can meet your need when you need someone right there beside you. Yet that's what so many people attempt to do. Again, what it really comes down to is the universalists confuse the church of God and the kingdom of God. And yes, the kingdom of God is universal. In fact, the word kingdom simply means the power or authority of a king. Who is our king? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the king of the kingdom of God. Okay? Uh, but, 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 you know, so the kingdom of God is universal, but unlike the church, it's not local. It's made up of all saints, of all ages. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. The local church body is a physical body, okay? Now, let's look at the local church. The local church, on the other hand, is a group of professing believers in Jesus Christ who meet in a particular location on a regular basis. Now, the term church, uh, you know, is, is translated uh, of a, from the Greek word having to do with meeting together or assembly. That's what it means. A local church is normally defined as a local assembly. That's what we are here this morning. We're a local assembly of people who profess faith and allegiance to Jesus Christ. That's what the local church is. And most often the Greek word ekklesia is used in reference to a local assembly. In most all of Paul's writings, if you'll, you know, check all of Paul's epistles there, in most all of Paul's epistles, he begins it by saying, to the church at. What's that saying? A, re, a, a local body. To the church at Ephesus. To the church, you know, at Galatia. In other words, it was a particular body that Paul would address it to. 
you know, or he would say to the church of. In other words, it was a local body. You know, he was always addressing a local assembly of believers, never a universal group. You'll never find in any of Paul's epistles where he addressed a universal group. It was always a local body. And think about it. When Jesus wrote the seven churches in the book of the Revelation, he addressed each letter to a local church. Never a universal church. There's not, there, there, there's not just one specific church in any one area necessarily, but there are many local churches in all cities of all size. In other words, you usually look at Lufkin and Dybal and Huntington. There's many local churches. There's many local churches. You see, the word church, ecclesia, in the New Testament simply means a called out assembly. That's what we are, folks. We're being called out in Jesus Christ, and we're a local assembly who meets on a regular basis for the purpose of worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, the local church body is a living, functioning organism with individual members joined together and making available their individual gifts to be used for the Lord Jesus Christ and others. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. The meaning of the word church, again, is an organized assembly. Now, Strong's defines it as this, ecclesia, a called out, a popular meeting, an assembly. So the very definition of the word church proves that it is a local church, not, not a universal church, rather visible or invisible. Now, Let's look at four characteristics of a local church or an assembly, okay? There are at least four things that are characteristic of a local church. The first thing is that an assembly must be local, okay? We're local right here in the Fairview community. We're a local assembly that assembles together right here in this community. Now, you know, here is Webster's definition of an assembly, to collect a number of individuals or particulars in one place, where we're at right now. One place. We're in this building, in this community. We're talking here about a local church. Nothing about universal. It's a collected number of individuals meeting together in one place or one body to bring or call together to convene or to con uh, uh, congregate. That's the church, folks. A local body that meets together in one place. It says nothing about universalism, does it? You see, so in order to be classified as a church, a group must come together in one place. You remember what Paul said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. He said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, folks. Every, every week we're to come together. Why? Because we're a local body. We're a local family. We're a family that is here to meet each other's needs, to pray for one another, encourage one another, lift one another up. He says, you know, we're, we're, we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together in the manner of some is, but when we come together, what are we to do? We're to exhort one another. We're to lift one another up. We're to encourage one another. We're to be here for one another. And then he went on to say, and so much more as you see that day approaching. Let me tell you, the closer we get to the coming of Jesus Christ, folks, it's going to get worse. We think it's bad now. You ain't seen nothing yet. Okay? 
The closer we get to the return of our Lord, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And Paul says, because of that, you need to not forsake the assembling of yourself together. You need to be at that local place that one day that we meet together so that you can encourage one another because the time is coming. The time is coming. Look, if the church is universal, how are we supposed to do what Paul just said there? To assemble ourselves together in one place. For the purpose of encouraging one another. I can't encourage one another who's a part of a universal invisible church, can I? There's no way. Look, in almost all verses where the word church or churches appear, it's always speaking about a specific place, a locality. Now the next thing we see there, an assembly must be visible. You must be able to see an assembly. Now remember, the word assembly is also the church. It must be visible. You must be able to see it. Can you see a universal invisible church? No. Why? Because it's invisible. So it must be visible. Visible. You see, a church cannot operate unless it is visible. Who has ever, you know, heard of invisible believers? Who has ever heard of invisible tithes? Who have ever heard of inv invisible spiritual gifts? You remember what Jesus said there in Matthew chapter 5, uh, 5 and verse 14? He said, you are the light of the world. Who's he talking to? The church. The church. We're the light of the world. Now think about this. If we're invisible, the light can't be seen, can it? He said, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Folks, if it, if it was a universal, invisible church... It can't be seen. It can't be the light that Jesus Christ desired us to be. Also, an, in, uh, an assembly must be organized. It must be organized. Remember the definition of uh, ecclesia, a lawful organized assembly. Paul also said a couple of things to the church at Corinth. He said, let all things be done decently and in order. Okay, then he also went ahead and said, you know, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. Now, the final thing is an assembly must be constituted. We must have a constitution, which we do. Look, constitution simply means set, fixed, established, made, elected, appointed. That's what it means. In other words, members of an assembly must meet some qualifications. Now, here, listen to this. If you're going to be a member of an assembly, if you're going to be a member of a local church, you must meet some qualifications. Now, can anyone, can anyone be a member of a New Testament church? Can anyone be a member of a local body of believers? The answer to that is no. That's going to shock some of you, didn't it? No, not just anyone can be a part of a local assembly. You say, well, then, Pastor, who in the world can be if, if, not, if you're saying not everyone? First, they must be born again, and then they must be baptized. So you have to be born again and baptized in order to be a member of a local church, a local assembly. Now, 
You know, I guess anyone can, as long as they're saved and baptized. Okay? Now, how the devil must be laughing as he succeeded in spreading his seed of confusion with this false idea of a universal church causing some believers, causing some believers by believing in, in a universal church, whether visible or invisible, you know, causing them to, to neglect the church of God, causing them to neglect a local New Testament church because it's not important to them. You see, if you can believe, if you do believe that you're a part of some universal church, there's no need in your mind for a local church. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to be a part of a church. You don't have to, you know, give of your time. You don't have to give of your time. You don't have to give of your talent to a local body if you believe in some universal church. But again, there's no such thing as a universal church, either Visible or invisible. Now, there's a such thing as a universal or kingdom of God because every believer throughout the world is a part of the kingdom of God. But don't mix the kingdom of God with the church of God, which is what, you know, the Catholic Church and other denominations have done for years and years and years. You see, if you buy into that false teaching of a universal church, then... It does away with the Great Commission. Because who did Jesus give the Great Commission to? The church. You know, it was given to individuals. It would be given to individuals who make up the church. And to add to that, if you're a member of only a universal church and not a local church, you know what? You don't really believe in the ordinances of the church, the Lord's Supper and baptism. They're not important to you if you're only a member of a universal church. Look, I've been asked many times if I believe in a, in a universal church, and every time my response is this. And I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, do you believe in the universal church? And my response is always the same. Give me your definition of universal church. I won't answer that until I understand where they're coming from. Okay, give me your definition of an, in a universal church. You see, I believe in the concept of a universal church in the sense of all believers worldwide make up the kingdom of God. But being a part of the kingdom of God does not exempt one from being a part of the local church. So anywhere, in other words, even if you're saved and you're a part of the kingdom of God, that doesn't exempt you from being a part of the local church helping to carry out the Great Commission by way of your tithe, by way of your time, by way of your spiritual gift, by way of your talents, and by way of prayer. So yes, you may be saved, and you're a part of the kingdom of God. But you also got to be a part of a local body of believers <sighs> the idea of a universal church made up of christians who are not connected and fit jointly together for the purpose of carrying out the great commission is foreign to scripture you'll never find it in the scripture that ideology and i believe that this kind of thinking is an enemy of the cross because of this way of thinking many churches are not able to be all they could for the cause of christ Look, if you're a Christian, but you're not connected and fit jointly together with a local body of believers, I encourage you to get connected as soon as possible. 
It will cause you to change your life and allow the local church to be more effective in carrying out the Great Commission as you give of your time, your talents, and your time. Look, God loves and he works through people who are knitted together. Don't let the devil deceive you into thinking that since you're considered a Christian, therefore you're a member of a universal church. And somehow you're exempt from being a part of a local church. Again, that's, you're playing right into his hand. You're playing right into the, his hand. Look, at the local church level, we're able to live in relationships with other believers. If you're not a part of a local church, you know, you're not able to have relationships with other local believers. We break bread together, we pray for each other, we disciple and strengthen one another, we encourage one another, we lift one another up. And at the same time, again, all believers are members of the kingdom of God as the kingdom of God is made up of every single person who has exercised faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, including every member of a local church worldwide. However, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, which we'll close with. He says, for by one spirit, by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jew, whether we be Gentile, whether we be bond, whether we be free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. Yes, everyone who is saved makes up the kingdom of God. Okay? Okay. And it's good that we're in the kingdom of God. We know we are because we're saved. But that does not exempt us from being a part of a local church body, doing what God has called the church to do. I mean, you stop and think of it. If everybody believed in the concept of a, of a, a, a universal vi- uh, visible or invisible church, there would be no local church. There would be no local body. You know, the things in this community would not be getting done. The Great Commission would not be getting done. None of that stuff would be taken care of that God left for the church to do. Look, if you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you're not a part of the kingdom of God, nor are you a part of a local church. And that can't happen on either one of those two things until you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. Here in just a moment, we're going to have a song of invitation. And, you know, we want to ask you to come. Let us introduce you to Jesus Christ. Let us show you how to get to the cross of Christ. Maybe you're here and you're, you know, maybe you've been saved but never been baptized. Therefore, you're not a member of a local church. Maybe you need to come. Maybe you're a member of a, of a local church, maybe even this church, but you're not serving the Lord the way you should in the church. You're not exercising your spiritual gift. You're not exercising, uh, giving of your time, you know, if, if there needs to be some things done around the church. You're not giving of your tithe the way you know you should. Maybe you need to come down this altar and make a fresh commitment to God this morning. Let's pray.